Hello and welcome to the Sage Space. One of my favourite phrases is that the body whispers before it shouts. So you never kind of wake up one day and, well, very rarely do you wake up one day and you've got X. Normally, you know, there's been signs and signals along the way and perhaps you've missed them. And and I think if you could listen to your body, if you knew how it was meant to work and, and what everything did, you'd be able to pick it up so much earlier. And And it's really very, at an early stage, it's much easier to resolve any issues. Post-cancer, I wanted to create a space to have conversations with the many creative people who offered up their knowledge and wisdom of how to move through this challenging time. Often practical, definitely insightful, and always infused with optimism, these conversations are a joy to share. As the designer Alan Moore says, the act of creating something of beauty is a way of bringing good into the world. Infused with optimism, it says simply, life is worthwhile. My guest today is Sarah Davenport, the founder of the Haven Breast Cancer Charity and the health website Reboot Your Health. When Sarah set up the Haven back in 2000, there was very little knowledge that treatments like acupuncture, reflexology or EFT, emotional freedom technique, could offer any real value or respite for cancer patients when practised alongside the more traditional medical interventions. 20 years later and the picture is very different. Thousands of women have been through the doors of the Haven. Cancer treatment centres themselves now often actively suggest and refer patients for complementary therapies to help lessen fallout from chemotherapy and radiotherapy. The pictures change dramatically thanks to pioneers like Sarah. When Sarah left the Haven, her focus shifted to health prevention and her two books, Reboot Your Health and Reboot Your Brain, offer simple DIY tests and solutions to access and improve your health before anything gets out of hand. As Sarah says, the body whispers before it shouts. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Morning, Sarah. Really nice to talk to you today. Um, The first question I'd like to ask is, how have you found space for yourself this morning? So um, I start my day the same every day, really. But um, the first thing I do every morning now when I get up is I go and do half an hour's stretching exercises and stuff. And then I have um, a foreign infrared sauna. So that's my kind of space for me. Um, Sorry, what was the second thing you said? Then you have a... Yeah, I, I have a far infrared sauna. Um, really? In the house. Yeah, because I think they're incredibly brilliant. And that gives me the time and the space. So sometimes I just meditate, sometimes I think, sometimes I, I actually do a lot of kind of emotional clearing stuff. <laughs> um, but it just gives me that fixed space that I know I have to sit there for half an hour and I can do whatever I want to do. And that's, that's in the sauna? Yeah. So how did that come about, having a sauna? And I mean, it sounds the most heavenly thing to have. Yeah, so so it's not a, a you know normal sweaty sauna. It's a yeah. um, it's an infrared sauna, and so they heat you from the inside out. And I think they're one of the most valuable tools for detoxing, and uh, and one of the one of my major bugbears. I'm terribly bad at lots of things, but um, I do think we live in in a world that's full of you know toxins that weren't there fifty a hundred years ago. 
So whether those are food or um, you know toxins from the food, from the air, from the water, they're, they're all around us basically. And so I like to kind of, in a very small way, get rid of them every day um, so that when I take them all on, you know, they're not building up over time. Because I think an awful lot of illness, you know, I think toxicity plays a part and uh, the body can't get rid of most of these chemicals and, um, you know, all the, the, the particles in the air that we breathe now, especially if you live in a city like London. Um, and so for me, when we moved house, the most important thing was, it's a tiny little sauna, but um, wherever I go, I, I try, that's the thing I try to have and find a space for that in the basement. Have you always been interested in health? No, not at all. I, um, I, I didn't know really very much about it um, at all. I was an art dealer. I don't know if you... Um, anyway, I, I was an art dealer and um, I specialised in 18th, 19th century dog paintings and, uh, and they were the kind of passion of my life. Um, and then circumstances sort of happened and um, the, the lady who helped me with my children um, developed breast cancer. Um, and this was, I don't know, I suppose I was about 30 at the time. And um, she just had a really terrible experience. I mean, I think back then, we're talking about 30 years ago, the NHS, the, the hospital system, it wasn't as uh, supportive as hopefully it is now. And she just, everything that happened to her, everything went wrong for her. And, um, and it sounds really peculiar, but I, I was 30 and I hadn't met a single person who had cancer at that stage of my life. And since then, I've met many, many thousands. But I was just sitting there thinking, this is so weird. I mean, how can this be? You know, she must be very unlucky. She must have fallen through the net, and she's just a very unfortunate... And what, what sort of things happened to her? Um, well, she'd go along for a, um, an appointment, and uh, no one had read her notes, or they'd do the same... Um, thing to her you know what she was meant to be going for that they'd done the last time um when she went in for her she had to have a mastectomy they didn't tell her what a, a mastectomy was she was she was a very simple person she didn't understand that word she really she just sort of turned up and um and uh, she had major surgery and then she was sort of left to get on by herself and you know when she was first diagnosed she was literally kind of sent home they just said right you know off you go, turn up next Tuesday. She turned up next Tuesday, and, and that was all the information she had. And then afterwards, with, you know, there's all sorts of things that you need help with and, and you know, emotional support, but also things like, like um, you know, wigs for when you lose your hair with the chemotherapy. And, um, and just, it was all very, very scattered. You, you had to, at a time when you were really low, you had to, get on a bus and go to another city or another town to, to, to find the advice um, or the help that you needed. Um, and I was just sitting there thinking, this is really shocking. And at the time, I was a very successful art dealer. And so I thought, with my naivety, um, <laughs> I thought, I'll just, you know, I think this should be available for people under one roof. You know, if this happened to you, this is not how, how you would want it to be. And she was a very shy person. So for her to you know, go by herself and walk into a strange building and meet a strange person and, and discuss her innermost kind of um, physical and emotional issues was horribly hard. So I just thought it'd be much easier if all of these, um, all of these things were available together under one roof. 
um, so that it was really easily accessible for people and that you could have such a thing, you know, across England so that wherever you were, you weren't very far from one of these one of these places, because I think places and people and connection, and, and I think really vitally being with people who've been through the same thing as you, you know, those are the people who really understand. Because very often you have to be very brave for your family and your friends and pretend it's all fine and pretend, you know, when actually it's one of the most terrible, devastating experiences um, that you can go through, you know, and and you need a safe space really where you can express you know what you need and, and get the help that you need that you may not know that you need but, but you know, so, this was, um, so, so this was um so back that, in 1993 mm -hmm. um and then the haven eventually the first haven in london eventually opened in 2000 yes. i mean at that time i would imagine that these sort of complementary therapies i would imagine they weren't very known about they weren't really out there how did you discover that they could be re a really beneficial thing for someone going through cancer treatment and or a serious yeah. illness so uh, I, I think you know back then when it opened the haven was probably one of the most cutting edge ahead of its times organizations and and that center was extraordinary we were doing things that people weren't doing hardly anywhere and in fact i made it my my task to go around the world <clears throat> finding what people were doing scientifically based always because I always like to work hand in hand with conventional medicine but but that nobody in England had really heard of so it was a really remarkable place and I think the thing about me is that I had appalling acne when I was a child and really really terrible and so I between the ages of eight and about 26 when it finally cleared up I'd been to every doctor, every conventional approach that there was, taken every pill. Some of them had horrible side effects, some of them didn't, but they certainly didn't work. Um, and so then I'd moved into looking at alternative and complementary ways of dealing with the issue. And again, some of them worked better and some of them didn't work. And, and I tried a huge range of things. And then one day, I, it was actually kinesiology. Literally, the woman went, right, you know, you've got a biochemical block here, do this, do this, do this, do that. And within five days, my acne that <laughs> had made my life completely miserable for 20 years um, had gone. And I just thought, this is extraordinary. And, and what she explained to me was that, you know, this wasn't the magic bullet that would work for everybody. And so what I learned and what I learned through all those years at the Haven was that everybody is different. So the reason you've got ill in the first place is different for everybody. And one of the flaws, um, or one of the restrictions in um, conventional medicine is it's based on pharmaceutical, you know, drugs and treatments. And it's one size fits all. So although it will work for everybody to a certain degree, you know, we are all entirely different, biochemically different, you know, emotionally, mentally different. Our life experience is different. And the reason that you've got to whatever point you've got to it is entirely different. Your pathway is different. And therefore, whatever healing um, modality you choose, you may have to, you know, choose more than one or two because you'll, you'll only find the one that works for you by experimenting. Um, and so one of the things, what I, I've written, there are two books that I've written because I realized that most people have absolutely no clue about how, how their body works, actually. 
And I went to this fascinating uh, lecture. This is, this is where I had this light bulb moment. Um, I went to a lecture at the Hay Festival um, a few years ago, and there was this genius lecturer on the podium, and he was talking about everything. I mean, he was the most educated, most charming, most charismatic, most, most amazingly educated person who was a really great communicator that I'd listened to for a long time. It was a really fascinating lecture. But at the end, when I was sitting there going, this is an extraordinarily educated, how does he know so much about everything? He stood up on the stage and he said, somebody said something about how widely, you know, read he was. And he said, yes, but if you asked me where my liver was or what my liver did, he said, I wouldn't have a clue. You know, he said, I don't know what my kidneys do. And I thought, do you know, that's the thing. Here he is, absolutely genius, but he doesn't know a thing about how his body works. And it seems to me that we've all, you know, it's rather like fast food, isn't it? You know, our grandparents, they all grew their food, cooked their food, you know, cleaned it, washed it, and prepared it and washed it up. And now we don't. We just go, oh, let's go to Marks and Spencer's or let's go to Aldi and let's buy the ready-made whatever it is and put it in the oven. takes two minutes. And in a way, that's what we've done with our, you know, our bodies and our responsibility for our own, our own health. Because actually what people do is, you know, you wait till you're quite ill and you're noticing that you're not as you used to be. You go to the doctor and he gives you a pill or a series of pills or he writes you a prescription for you know, surgery or whatever it is that, that, that medicine will do for you, which is great and fantastic. And thank goodness we have the NHS. And, and thank goodness that medicine now is, you know, as it is and not as it was hundreds of years ago. But actually, one of my favourite phrases is that the body whispers before it shouts. So you never kind of wake up one day and, well, very rarely do you wake up one day and you've got X normally you know there's been signs and signals along the way and perhaps you've missed them and and i think if you could listen to your body if you knew how it was meant to work and and what everything did um you'd be able to pick it up so much earlier and and it's really very at an early stage it's much easier to resolve any issues you know that might be rearing their, their ugly heads um but a people can't hear and I think you know the world today we're so busy we're running rushing there's there's very little time for that space you know the question that you started with where do you give yourself the space so my half hour every morning I'm kind of listening I'm listening to my body listening to my thoughts just just tuning in and sometimes I think we don't have even five seconds to tune in you know with family life and work and pressures of everyday living so I wrote my first book, which is called Reboot Your Health, as a really simple DIY manual, really, for health, so that you could listen to your body. And, and what it is, is it's a series um, of, of checks uh, that you can do at home that are very inexpensive and free. Um, and if you work through it, 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 it's rather like, it's like taking your car for an MOT, because, I mean... We all take our cars for an MOT mm. once a year, don't we? Mm. Because you have to repair the brake pad or fill it up with oil or whatever. And it's exactly the same for your body. So, you know, if you don't fill yourself up, mend the bits that are breaking down slightly, they're going to break down much further by, the, you know, in a year or two's time. So, so the book lets you, it explains what all the different organs of your body do, how the different body systems work. And it explains how to test whether um, 
you know, your that particular organ is optimal for you at this moment in time. So it lets you draw up a baseline. Um, it's what I call a health baseline. Because without a baseline now today, how will you know whether either the doctor's pill or, you know, the nutritional supplement or whatever it is that you are doing to make yourself better is actually making a difference? Because if you haven't got a, you know, a fixed point in time now, you can't see whether you're actually chucking all that money down, down the drain because it's doing nothing for you at all, or whether it's absolutely making that issue better, in which case, you know, keep with it. So, so it's a very, it's a simple, easy, easy book. Yeah. I thought it'd be uh, very good, you know, to put into schools, to educate people. I mean, that, but I mean, that, I think I find that so. really fascinating because in a way we relinquish responsibility um, to someone else. We, we sort of farm it out. And yes, I mean, without, without um, Western medicine, I certainly wouldn't be alive. And so all of us probably if we've had some major um, injury or been in an accident. But I think having that um, sort of that intuition that something's not quite right or a bit out can, can really save you in the long run. Um, what you set out to do with your, with your book is, is, is spot on. It's a, let's go back to basics. Let's start from the baseline. Yeah. And then what I've been doing um, for the last year, sort of started just before um, lockdown, was I decided to write a blog because what I, I'm really, really boring, but I'm really fascinated by, by health and by the science because there's an awful lot of people out there who are, you know, clearly not reliable, which is what gives complementary therapies sometimes a bad name. Um, but there's an awful lot of science in complementary therapies um, you know, as well as into pharmaceutical drugs. And so in the time, all I do all day long is, is read that. I decided that I would turn it into um, an easily understandable um, blog. So each, each week I take a different topic and, and I write it so that it's really simple so that anybody at all could, could understand what I'm trying to say. But I read hundreds of these very, very tedious um, science papers that are published by people all over the world and, and, and then condense it down and turn it back into sort of normal English. Because I just think it's about educating people so that they know that there are options. You know, it, it's not just... One, one of the issues for me with, um, with some of the pharmaceutical drugs, um, and this is based entirely on... Um, stories told to me, uh, you know, from the, the people, the visitors at the Haven, um, is that very often the side effects, a lot of them come with side effects. You know, you read on the back. Well, in fact, if you go to America and you listen to their, um, the advertisements on, on the uh, television, they'll, they'll be advertising some wonderful arthritis drug or something. Uh, but they spend at least 10 minutes telling you that it may make you go blind. It may make you... I mean, it's, it's kind of like a comedy show. And, and, and then they say, oh, so take this pill. And presumably everybody does. So they've obviously got much stronger advertising uh, rules than we do. But, but that is, it's actually very valid. Very often, something that will make the symptom, you know, that, that you went to the doctor with go away may 
end you up with something different. I mean, for my for my acne, there was some, some drug which they still use today. I mean, this was 30 years ago. But it very clearly, I mean, you had kind of a hugely high percentage of going blind if you took it. So the doctor said to me, take this, but please be aware that, you know, you may lose your eyesight. So I said to him, well, I'd rather have spots than lose my eyesight. And so I didn't take it. But the fact that, you know, they were even offering something that would have such a severe side effect, and, and clearly, you know, a few people had suffered from that. Um, and the thing about complementary therapies and, and nutritional supplements and, is they rarely harm in any way at all. They're, they're non-invasive. So they'll either work or they won't work for you. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's all the harm that they're going to do. And yet, Many of the therapies, many of the supplements, you know, they make a quantifiable, scientifically quantified um, difference to um, whatever so when, it is that you. So when you, you set know, up the Haven with. and so you, I, you'd I, you'd sourced um, you, you'd source therapists to come in to give acupuncture to people, which was what I had. Um, uh, reflexology and various other treatments. Did you struggle to get support from, you know, I, I guess some of the cancer departments in, in hospitals? Did, how did you go about sort of, yeah, get, gaining the kind of support for people to suggest, oh, there's, you should go to the Haven? Or have you, have you called the Haven? Or have, have, have you followed up and tried this or that? How, how long did that take to, for it to become sort of part of the system? It took years and years and years. Um, and so in the early days... Um, well, initially, when I started it, I thought, oh, we're going to do this with, you know, the medical profession, absolutely not going out on a limb, being a strange, you know, complementary alternative therapy um, place. Um, and we sent people around to see all the breast care nurses, all the doctors, everything. And basically, they weren't really very interested. And so in the end, I stopped... Um, I stopped even trying, actually, because I just thought this is ridiculous. And if they don't want to, that's absolutely fine. Um, and word of mouth spread really fast. So, so what happened in the end, what turned it, was that the breast care nurses were being told by so many of their patients, oh, my goodness, we've had this extraordinary experience. Um, you know, you must send other people, you know, to, to the haven. Um, and gradually over time, it became, um, you know, they did start referring people. But... Yeah, and also gradually over time, there were other centres that opened, you know, Macmillan centres and things, and, and they were, they probably didn't, we had one of the widest ranges of complementary therapies available anywhere in one place in the world. But a lot of them, like the aromatherapy and the reflexology, um, became much more standard in conventional medicine. And I think we were run by super professional people. I mean, you know, they were really qualified, really highly qualified people. So you couldn't really argue with their qualifications. And the results were extraordinary. So I think, and if you had to, spoke for itself. And if you had to look, um, compare it was how how it was accepted back in in two thousand to now. I mean, would you say it's mainstream now? Would you say that most people are off going through some kind of cancer treatment are offered um, some form of of complementary therapy? I think the problem is that when there's budget cuts and there's so little money around, uh, one of the first things that goes is, is, is what they see as the sort of add-ons, which is the complementary therapies. I think it's closing down. I, I mean, I think 
that a few things are, are acceptable and allowed, um, and then everything else is kind of struck off, whereas some of those things that they're not considering are, are remarkable therapies. There's less acupuncture. They'll do some acupuncture. Homeopathy is being struck off completely. I think part of the problem is that the people who are at the top of their field now were educated, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. And even now today, there's very little on nutrition or um, complementary therapies and the difference that they can make in the standard, you know, medical training for, for, for doctors, for GPs, let alone for um you know, uh, surgeons and things. And I think that that's a really sad thing, actually, because, um, you know, and especially if you were trained 40 years ago, I mean, as a doctor, you're so unbelievably busy. You certainly don't have time to spend hours poring over every, the latest, you know, discoveries in medical science-backed um, research papers. So with Re Reboot Health, you're, you're reading through a lot of the kind of current scientific um, evidence and scientific reports. So within these yeah. studies, there must be evidence that can back up. Yes, masses of evidence. Um, but there's far less of these mm. studies because clearly it costs, you know, an enormous amount of money to, to, to do a study. And, you know, complementary medicine has, has no budget, basically. So normally they're funded by pharmaceutical companies who, who have enormous budgets and, and will expect to, um, you know, make um, a lot of money out of uh, the research. So, so there are fewer, and you know, there are fewer, but there's a lot of them. And an awful lot with the pandemic, um, masses and masses of papers coming out of China and Japan and um, Australia showing the benefits of... Um, of uh, nutritional supplements, you know, showing other ways to deal with with um, with the infection, and and those are absolutely fascinating, and you don't hear about them in the mainstream press. Um, so so I write about them a lot, um, making it basic, making it easy to understand, but um, but it's all based on on extensive trials and um, and very positive conclusions. Um, so it, it's very exciting. If if only it would be taken up, it's just so much less expensive than, um, you know, than, than... So what would be your top five... ...options um, that are being looked at? ...pieces of advice to give to people who are, you know, looking to regain, regain a bit more control of their health, a bit more, take a bit more responsibility to get, to get back onto, a, onto a, a platform to live a really healthy life. What would be your top five um, recommendations? I think my health baseline is is essential because I think you really need to know, you know, where you are now. Um, so so much of that can be done by your, you know, tests can be done either by you at home or for free on the NHS. And I think without that, it's it's very hard. It, it's about it's like being the frog in the pot, isn't it? With 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 health, really, because if you put your frog in the freezing cold water and you heat it up gradually. You know, it, it apparently boils to death. Um, whereas if you plopped it in to boiling water already, it would jump straight out. So, so your decreasing health levels are, um, you don't really notice, do you? I mean, 10 years later, can you remember how much energy, you know, how healthy you were when you were, you know, a decade younger? I think it's really, really vital to find out, you know, what's working and what's not working. So that'd be my number one. Hydration is really important. It's really important for every every 
body system is very important for your brain. I mean, for, for every, I can't remember what, every percentage that you're de dehydrated, you're losing like 10% of your, of your brain function. So that's one of the really easy and expensive ones to, um, I think as you get older, I think extreme exercise isn't necessarily very good for you. I mean, I think even walking, but doing it for an hour every day, I, I think that makes a difference. I think that light makes a huge difference. So, so the majority of people who report, you know, feeling less energy, you know, not feeling particularly well, but not with specific symptoms, there's a degree of kind of depression or anxiety that they often report or exhaustion. And I think that light therapy is uh, another incredibly inexpensive, very easy one to do. So I often suggest that people, you can buy a, you know, one of those sad lamps, which can cost 20 or 30 pounds, I think. But you only have to use it for half an hour early on in the in the day. And it resets your circadian rhythms and, and it pours light into your, the mitochondria of your cells, actually. It goes in through your eyes and and that improves people's mental health very fast indeed. Um, so I think that's a very inexpensive way of, of just rebooting yourself. And then one of the things that People don't, it was very interesting in the Haven. So I would meet people who were super healthy. You know, they ate organic food, they exercised every day, they did all of this, uh, and they just couldn't understand why, you know, why they got so sick because they'd done everything right. And then when you talk to them um, in greater detail, there'd be some huge stressful event in their life. So maybe they lost a you know, close relative, maybe they got divorced, maybe they lost their job that they loved. And, and it had hit them like a, you know, bolt out of the blue. And I think that people don't, I think they underrate the effect that stress and traumatic events have on your whole system. It, it's the connection between the mind and, and the body. And what happens with um, with difficult things, difficult emotions, difficult events, is that people try to bury them. They, they try to sort of push them deep down so they don't have to mm -hmm. look at them. You know, they'll deal with them later. And then, of course, you never do deal with them later because you don't really want to dig it all up and look at it. And and what happens, I think what happens on a sort of, this is very simplistic, but biochemical level, is that difficult emotions, so if it's grief or rage or anger or, you know, jealousy, whatever whatever has been triggered by that event, they effectively turn into chemicals in, in your body. So, you know, you've got your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. But if they're <coughs> not dealt with, if, if they're left unresolved, it's like they're still alive in you. It's still running 24-7 in your body. So you can meditate till the cows come home for 10 minutes every day or half an hour every day. But until you've resolved um, the issue, those chemicals are still going to be affecting, you know, your, your body and your mind. And so there's, I think one of the, the things I'd always say to people who have been diagnosed with, with whatever they've been diagnosed with, is have a look at what's still, you know, running in you. So, so I think it's really important to, to, to write down the things that are still um, live in you. And then 
The treatment that I like to recommend is the tapping. Um, it's an extraordinary technique. Um, and what it does is, is effectively neutralize the trauma of, of, of that event. So you can't change what's happened because whatever's happened, happened. But what you have to change is the effect that that um, event is having on you. And what EFT does is somehow neutralize it so that you can you can look at it, you can understand it, you can analyze it. You know, a lot of counseling and um, uh, that sort of the conventional thought therapy, it's it's dealt with here. Yeah, so you're looking at it yeah. with your conscious brain, whereas actually where it's live is in, is in your subconscious. Um, and EFT accesses your subconscious incredibly, very easy. You can teach it yourself. Um, I didn't know. You know. There are books that have been written. There's um, Emma Roberts. I don't know if you came across her at The Haven, but she's probably one of the UK's um, best therapists. Um, for EFT and she's written a book specifically about EFT and cancer and um, uh, I mean that's a terribly easy way to it, it's really unloading layers of stress from your body I mean like that that makes me think um, that's what you need I to remember do to having that conversation it. with uh, Nadia at the Haven and she said every she said almost without exception every single person that she's treated in the past in the 18 months up to their diagnosis had been through some form of stressful event. And that she said that was the, 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 kind, of, the kind of trigger that had set everything off in motion. And she, but she said almost without exception. And, and I would agree with that 100%. Um, I, I, and that's what I came away with from the Haven. And also the interesting thing was that everyone knew what it was that had triggered their, their cancer it, you know you didn't even ask the question they just say to you I know why I've got this and it was almost always something um emotionally difficult I, I could talk to you for ages and ages but we've covered loads of some really 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 great things um Sarah and I and I'd love to just ask a couple of sort of generic questions um what's the sagest piece of advice you've ever been given you owe it to yourself you know, to protect yourself in any way that you can from stress and uh, and reduce, you, you know, you have to sit down, take that empty space that you were talking about at the beginning and go, what is it in my life that no longer serves me? Um, you know, whether that's people, whether that's your job, you have to unload everything that, um, that it's too heavy for you to carry now, you know. Find a place to dump. It's so cathartic, so helpful. Well, Sarah, thank you very, very much for your time. Anytime. Thank you for interviewing me. Thank you very much for your time, Sarah. You can visit Sarah's website, rebootyourhealth.co.uk, where she rounds up her insights from the many medical papers she wades through. Her two books are also available on her site. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>